0: Congruence is really at the heart of what I do because the patterns lay on us so heavy. And so we end up, the metaphor I use a lot is that we're living in a little closet in a great big mansion, (laughs) vocally. And how we're socialized, hurt, supported, really determines what voice is available to us and there's much more and so one of the things i work a lot with women particularly is around what i call the fire voice i have five my approach uses five elements of earth fire water metal and air and each of those voices correlates with certain human qualities and so if you're trying to set a boundary in your air voice no, really, I don't think that's really something I'm into. You know, it's like, it's not congruent. It's confusing. Prophecies
1: have foretold and wisdom keepers all know that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast.
2: We are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity so we can emerge as leaders,
1: creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders and healers, to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome
2: to the Time of the Feminine Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Time of the Feminine Podcast. We are very excited to have a special guest today. She was a recommendation by our dear sister, Quanita Robertson. Her name is Barbara McAfee, and her work takes root in the voice. She is a master voice coach, singer, songwriter, speaker, song leader, and author of Full Voice, the art and practice of vocal presence. She lives on the wild and scenic St. Croix River on the Minnesota-Wisconsin border in the United States. Our conversation is going to be one of understanding the voice, of expressing ourselves, of understanding the root, perhaps, of why women have been afraid to use their voice, and I cannot wait to dive in. Barbara, thank you so much for being here. It's a total honor.
0: It's a joy to be with you both, and thanks to Quanita for
1: connecting us. We love Quanita here on this podcast.
2: Shout out to her. So Barbara, this podcast, our intention, the time of the feminine is, is to deeply show up authentically and vulnerably and raw, the two of us, as we explore what has happened to the feminine on this planet throughout time and how that's living out in us Right now, and how, as women who are inspired to lead and to teach and to uh, help the world as it's transforming, how we can deprogram, unlearn patriarchal conditioning, colonialist conditioning, all the conditioning, and liberate feminine power. And so, we're in an exploration of what the feminine essence is in nature and how it can help transform the planet. And so I wanted to just pass the baton to you and ask you a little Mm. bit about how you resonate with what I just said.
0: It's a big yes. (laughs) It's just a big yes. The questions that you're holding and exploring and opening are things I think about every day and have for a very long time about what does freedom look like? What does authenticity look like? Um, And what particularly is the role of voice, women's voices in reclaiming wholeness for all of us, no matter our gender. Uh, And I'm getting less and less interested in outcome. Like, I don't know if we're going to get out at the other end of this as a human species. But uh, Mm. to quote a friend of mine's song, uh, I'm going to go singing. I'm going to go singing. I'm going to go down singing if I'm going to go down and celebrating Mm. the gift of being a person on this planet, which is likely, it wasn't even reasonable to assume that human life would exist. (laughs) And that I got to be here as a woman in this time. It's still hard being a woman, but I got to you know, I got to decide if I wanted to have children or not. I got to decide to get divorced. I live alone. I can travel. I'm educated. So I think a lot about my job in liberating the the feminine through the voice, the feminine that lives in, in all people.
1: Mm. You speak with such, there's like such a purity in the way that you describe you're speaking of because it just seems that you've, you've sat with it. Like you've really been with it. And I Mm -hmm. think in these times to have really been with, with something, there's such a grace and beauty about it. I think because everything's so fast now and there's so much Mm -hmm. information and there's like overload to be with someone who has been able to like reconcile in a way. I feel like there's a reconciliation that I, that I hear in you. And thank you. Thank you. Because I think for, like, I'm younger than you, but I think for me, it gives me this this understanding of how also I can be. Yeah, to go singing, you know, and to really value this precious, wild life that, like you said, you didn't know that you are going to end up as a human woman on this planet at this time. And what a gift. It's crazy. It's wild. It's uncomfortable. It's a lot of things. And it's also beautiful. And I think that remembering is like, it's a precious gift. Mm, So I want to I want to hear about your work with The Voice and kind of what led you here, because obviously this is a topic I want to dive into for the entirety of this podcast, because having worked with women now through the global sisterhood, and also my friends and women in the corporate workplace where I used to work, this was a topic that came up everywhere. And I think now we're seeing it more and more women wanting to speak their truth. You know, I, f- I feel this within myself wanting to to say all these things that haven't been said, because I've been afraid to say them. So how did you start working in the voice? And then I guess what, what are the things that you see specifically amongst women in learning how to express? Like, what's the key there?
0: Mm. Well, like many people, I found my healing through my own wounds. And though I was supported in singing a lot as a young person, uh, like many women, I'm 62. So like many women in, in my generation, it was sort of at the very tail end of the baby boom. And there was still a lot of value in my family and in the culture on being seen and not heard and being nice and sugar and spice and <laughs> all that. And, um, and then there was just some family dynamics that I just carried a lot of the secrets for the family which really affects the voice. Now there's all this research about the vagus nerve and how trauma and the vagus nerve are all, I, I know just tiny amounts of it, but now the body is, they're learn, science is learning what I already intuitively have known for decades, that trauma and secrets affect our voices. So I had a lot of stage fright, a lot of shame and self-consciousness about singing, Uh, which is common, except I come from singers. My grandpa was on the radio and my mother was a soloist. My brother was a soloist. And I kept thinking, what's wrong with me? I was such a a kind question. (laughs) What's wrong with me? And I started singing in public as a jazz singer. Still love that music. And started therapy the same week, I discovered later in a journal. So it seems to me that my reclaiming my voice and power and my healing as a person have been tangled up right from the get-go. I got angry about why I was so scared and went to a voice teacher, and I mostly cried. Every time I opened up my voice, I just burst into tears and just cry and cry and cry, and I'd write her a check. (laughs) That was was how my my voice coaching went. There's just a lot of grief on top of my voice. And I went to a workshop she recommended with some people from the Roy Hart Center in France. And that w- changed the course of my life because they asked me for all the sound I had, not just trying to blend with the alto section or be the way the culture told me I was supposed to. They, they asked me for my wildness and took me lower than I'd ever gone and higher than I'd ever gone. And I was making shrieking noises and growling noises. And, and I found it thrilling because it broke open the cherished story I was carrying about who I was as a voice and as a person. And that was, I, I am still dear friends with one of those, both of those teachers, but one of them is now my colleague and he's coming COVID willing this fall t- for us to teach, I think our 21st or 22nd weekend workshop together. So that was, that was a big crossroads. And, and I continued that work just to open the voice. And now my own work emerged from that experience of what happens when you let the voice out of it's socialized, traumatized, colonialized, Civilized in big quotes, patterns of what's available out there. And there's a lot of liberation and delight and terror on the other side of all that control and suppression.
2: <laughs> that makes me want to like, well, we could spend the rest talent. of the time doing that. That'd be fun. It's one of the most <laughs> we can I feel like I remember I remember the first time I started daring to actually make an audible sigh in a yoga class to like actually go and like let my stress and tension be visibly heard and how vulnerable that was but also how freeing and now I go and I'm like come on you can do it with me. We're doing it together. (laughs) So I I really appreciate your journey and that story. And there were so many nuggets that you spoke about that I was like, ooh, I want to ask about that. Ooh, I want to ask about that. I really want to share just I guess there's, I'm, I'm like actually thinking about which direction to go, but the thing that feels most relevant, and then maybe we can evolve into the other questions is this idea about being congruent, which is a new concept for me, like actually speaking the feeling that I'm having and not trying to override it or put a niceness on top of it, but to, 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 Speak in congruence while owning my experience and not projecting on another person is really honestly a new skill, especially when triggered. And I would love yeah. to talk to you about that.
0: Congruence is really at the heart of what I do because the patterns lay on us so heavy. And so we end up the metaphor I use a lot is that we're living in a little closet in a great big mansion <laughs> vocally. And how we're socialized, hurt, supported, really determines what voice is available to us. And there's much more. And so, one of the things I work a lot with women, particularly, is around what I call the fire voice. I have five. I have the, my approach uses five elements of earth, fire, water, metal, and air. And each of those voices correlates with certain human qualities. And so if you're trying to set a boundary in your air voice, no, really, I don't think that's really something I'm into, you know, it's like, it's not congruent, it's confusing. And yes, people should listen to our words. And yes, we should be taken seriously, no matter what. But as one of my, Mm -hmm. I think, she's probably my newest individual client said is, people are not paying attention to me. And I know some of that is cultural, but I want to clean up my part of it. I don't want to contribute to my own oppression. It's like, yes, 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 Mm -hmm. yes. So to be able to expand the range of your identity inside of your voice. So if you're used to being up here in sort of an airy and watery voice, to be able to get down into the dirt and say, no. No that is going to hit, it's, it's like, it's not just a vocal training. The identity needs just, it's like yoga stretching for who you say you are. So if you, I'm not that kind of person. This was for me with the high range. I, I have a low voice, I can't go up there. Blah, blah, blah. But what was waiting up there and all that high, sweet voice was innocence and wonder and a spiritual connection. And for me to be able to be fully human, I get to have all of those qualities. I get to be fiery, I get to be grounded, I get to be compassionate and clear and sweet. So I think while we're here, why not be all we are?
1: Oh, there's, there's so much I wanna talk about, my, my journey Also, like I was – when I was a young girl, I was a singer. I loved to sing. It's all I did. Every home video of me is me singing. And not like, you know, children's songs, but, you know, Don't Cry For Me Argentina and Diana Ross. And I love singing these like very soulful songs. And as I got older and I'm like realizing now it was like around the time of my parents' divorce, I – consciously made the decision, I will no longer sing, basically ever again, and I will be a swimmer, which is the complete opposite, right? No voice, no group participation, like keep your head down for two hours a day. And it wasn't until maybe in tandem with joining Global Sisterhood that I received like this cosmic message that I needed to open my voice. It was time for me to sing, and it was so scary for me to to sing again, and, like, I have a voice, and I, I, I feel the shame, you know, in my voice as I, I sing sometimes, and sometimes I can escape that, and I can be, like, free, and it's so expressed, and I'm, like, amazed of my own voice's beauty, but that's a fraction of the time, and... Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about this, like how women can start to free their voices, how they can start, because it, it did something for me. It, it was just like you shared about like you went to therapy the same week as the vocal lessons. Like it, for me, too, it felt like that. And so maybe we can talk more about how to open and expand.
0: First of all, I just want to say welcome back. Hmm. Welcome back. You belong here. My kin, my singing kin. So as you're, as you're singing, Auntie, I just want to say I'm glad you're back. Mm, um, I'm crying. Yeah, me too. Um, I have so much compassion for the risk that it takes to express ourselves, especially in singing. I mean, we've been taught to talk from our heads And so it's possible to just talk from your head, but it's really hard to just sing from your head. So when we sing, we are open, like the guards are gone. We are open from our deepest inside out, which is why it's so beautiful and terrifying and moving. So it is a little crazy to sing, but it's also deeply human to sing. So i love to welcome people into i call them philip screwdriver songs (laughs) little songs that you can sing around the house one of the ones that i've given to people over the years is oh what a beautiful morning from oklahoma oh what a beautiful morning you know it's beautiful here where i live in wisconsin this morning and i went on my hike this morning down in the park and i was singing good morning. You know, it feels like the whole world is singing to me and I just feel like I want to sing back. And so I like to encourage people to make a little collection, have a little list on your phone. As you think of things, you are my sunshine, maybe a spiritual song that you like um, from childhood, if it's not toxic, or if you want to reclaim it for yourself. I have a lot of those from the Presbyterian hymnal. Morning has broken It's one of those. And then also to have an irresistible playlist in your life so that songs that you can't resist singing, like your Diana Ross, Don't Cry For Me, you know, those songs that just you got to sing. And the car, honestly, I don't know what we're going to do when we finally live through peak oil because the car and the shower are the last places that humans are able to sing in this culture. So I think singing is a great thing and people get it all conflated with whether you're good at it or not. And it's so bizarre. It's like I have an old cranky bicycle that I'm going to pump up the tires and go for a ride. I will never do the tour de France, but nobody says, well, I can't ride my bike because I'm not doing the tour de France, you know, or I can't fill in the bike, play pickleball, go swimming. I'm a swimmer too, by the way, (laughs) never competitively, but I, love swimming so so much but singing is one of those things and many other creative things is that you feel like we have to be trained or good or make our living at it or something and um, so I think singing is a really really quick shortcut and also to to not wait until you're feeling safe as to do it while you're like shaking and having sweat run down your armpits and sc- screaming shame in your head. It's like, ugh, whatever, don't wait, because you'll never do it if you wait until that's over. So those are some things. And then I love what you said, Lauren, about just adding sound to a practice. Like if you're doing your yo- you know, your meditation in the morning, just make some ohms. Or if you're doing yoga, audible sighs, you could have a conversation with a friend without words just with sound. I've done this with groups where you just check in with like, Uh, you know exactly how I feel. (laughs) You know exactly how I feel. So those are a few things. Yeah, so that's just the way to sort of open the door. And I am now training people to do the work I do because there are so many voices that need liberating. And I have people who are carrying my work who are trauma therapists and naturalists working with children in the parks and moms and singers and choir directors and consultants and all kinds of different people. And they can bring all kinds of things. So sometimes people look for a voice coach and they end up with somebody who wants them, you know, you know, to do all their operatic singing. And so... That's a little challenging. Sometimes it's hard to find the right midwife for the baby you're trying to birth.
2: Mm. Thank you for the work you do. I uh, want to go back to trauma and the voice. And you know, you said your your trauma was around keeping secrets, which I can totally see can freeze at least the range of the voice. And different forms of oppression or abuse can limit the range. One of the most striking examples of that that I ever saw was when I got to hear a reformed sex trafficker speak at a panel at the UN, the Commission of the Status of Women. He was this big man, big man, mature man, lived a a good life. And his voice sounded like he was eight years old. And honestly, it was like one of those moments that changed my life. And I'm going to share more about it on this podcast later on. But it changed my life so much because he did horrific things and he did it all because he was also oppressed and traumatized and manipulated. And it really helped me see this like trauma of like hurt people, continue to hurt people until we heal and break the cycle. And I was really, you know, I will never forget when he opened his mouth, that sound, he was stunted at a very young age. And it was very apparent. And so I'm sure with your work, you can hear in people's voices and feel in their voices yes. the contraction and the imprint that they've been through. And to have that level of attention as you are a vocal coach feels really powerful and healing. So I wanna deeply honor you for that work. And I wanna share a, something kind of similar, but it's like a cutting edge noticing about myself and I want to get your advice on it for people who might relate. I notice that like you said in the beginning that you've thought a lot about freedom. One of my core desires and values is freedom, freedom to express, freedom to sing. I get I can kind of get raspy or go into falsetto at high at high notes and then I blame myself and I shame myself and that's just one aspect of how I can have this inner critic. And this inner critic can feel like everybody has an inner critic, but I've done so much work on it. But there's this particular flavor, hidden flavor of my inner critic. And I'm on this trip with my fiance right now. And I've been realizing that I have this inner jailer and an inner prisoner. And I'm playing this victim oppressor dynamic in my life and holographically projecting it onto things where it doesn't exist and how that impacts even my capacity to access my power and truth and then i get confused and overwhelmed because i i i i, I don't it's like i get just get stuck cuz i'm like one one half i realize that like i'm in control and i can transform anything but transform myself and i can Create whatever I want, but there's this victim-perpetrator dynamic happening inside of my body, and I want to ask about that, and I want to ask about voice, and I want to ask about freedom, because I think in some ways women can relate to this a lot because of how we've been socialized as hmm. women and inferior what a vivid in quotes description
0: species of yeah. the dynamic that's playing out in so many of us where. There's a lot of characters going on in there. Hmm. And one of the things that liberated me in that first workshop back in the late eighties with my teacher was that I wasn't being me. I was being an archetype. So when I, when my voice, which I thought in it here, went way up here, that was like mind blowing because it didn't fit any of the containers that I have for myself. So part of me feels like those dynamics, trying to work inside of these like black and white kind of archetypes. It's just like an endless spiral. It feels like it. it's just spinning, 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 spinning. And I was, I liked. To, yeah.
2: Like good mom or good. Like I, are, let's some examples of the archetypes, like good mom, Second, good well, woman, uh, yeah, business,
0: I like to go with the spiritual bigger. Person. I like to go with whatever works. What what? Okay. But I like to work with. Had been reading mm-hmm. some Jungian psychology when I was developing my work, and I love and and absolutely believe in the collective unconscious, mm-hmm. because I have no explanation. I've done a lot of improvisational singing and. And I feel these things rise up and in through my voice rise up. And suddenly I am an old Japanese man at the fish market. And it's like, I've never even been to Japan. Or I feel like I'm a huge bird. Or that was what made me be able to make that big sound. I was not, I was Barbara. I was there, but I was also something else. I was this huge, fierce raptor. And it was ecstatic. I was like, I was like, I could Mm -hmm. talk about freedom and, and raw power. I just wanted to scream out of the sky and tear something apart and eat the bloody meat. I was just this fierceness that I had never been allowed. And so I like I like the high priestess. Mm-hmm. I like the holy slut particularly, that's very healing. Because you either get to be one or the other in the culture, but you don't get to be sacred and sexy in the dominant culture. I like the compassionate, you know, the Quan Yin, the compassionate one. I like the bear, I like all the animals, you know, the bear, the beast, the, all these other energies, because I feel like our, the ego is just a, such a teeny tiny little thing that tries to make itself really big. And I like to find ways to just sneak Mm -hmm. by that ego, trick it a little bit, not berate it I I fought it for so long and it's just doing its job it's trying to keep us safe and tries and so it sees it doesn't it's like a dog that doesn't know the difference between the mail carrier and an intruder but it's just trying to keep us inside this little box and keep us safe bless its heart Mm -hmm. right but what's outside of that is everything we have to learn and grow Mm -hmm. into and so to me I love the creativity of the Courting, I like to think of courting the archetypes. Um, I always, when I'm working, call in the high priestess and the holy fool, because I know what I do is sacred work, but heaven forbid, if it gets too serious and lugubrious and overbearing, the humor lightens people's ego attachments and worry. So to me, I think that, and, and again, I think the question's much more interesting than the answer like, who can I ask to help me? I also access real people I know, uh, mentors. I think of, um, I, I never met her, but I think of Dr. Angelou. I think of Maya Angelou um, because I'm 6'2 and she was about my size. And I just love her sense of gravitas and dignity and mm, power. It's like, mm, I'll have what she's having. And you can. And I also think of my friend and mentor, Margaret Wheatley, who I, t- I did tour a lot with her, and she's a very clear, deliberate speaker. So I think of often of her. Um, so I like to invite, go outside that little tangle and just invite these other energies and archetypes to come and help.
2: Wow. I love that so much because in the dynamic, when it's activated it absorbs, right? And so to remember that I am but a vessel and I am of the universe and I can channel universal energies to assist me mm-hmm. is a fundamental mm-hmm. truth that I believe in and a really helpful reminder. Thank you.
1: So the voice obviously has so many capacities and faculties and and I'm curious, like you guys... We're about to talk about this, but I kind of want to get into it. Like, what is it in the voice that expresses trauma?
0: Well, it so depends on when the trauma hit you, how you survived your gender, your class, your race, your country of origin. I worked with all of a sudden, just in the last few months, I had seven women come into my individual practice and they were all either immigrants or most of them were the daughters of immigrants. And it was like, what? That has never happened in, uh, I've been doing some variety of this work for 30 years now. And it's like, what is going on? So I think how the trauma, even how your ancestors were traumatized, you know, like when I had several women who were, had ancestors in China and one of them had their, you know, their grandma still had her feet bound that's a different trauma than being hit. So I think I don't have sort of a, this is how you always can tell, because sadly humans have a huge variety of ways of screwing each other up. (laughs) You know, I have heard what you talked about, Lauren, like the kind of infantilizing of the voice. Yeah, the people who talk like they're, you know, they talk like they're five. Sometimes that is, you know, people... I think the soul just holds us there and hopes that we'll get healed. You know, we're just going to keep our finger in this part of the book, you know, until maybe somebody will come and help us. Sometimes there's a flatness, a deadness in the. A lot of us have dead faces because we've had to suck up like stuff that made you want, want to scream out loud and we had to just be cool. And I've seen this with therapists and chaplains and social workers and nurses and doctors that I've worked with because you have to have that poker face professionally. Even I did organizational development work for years facilitating, and I had to just sit and listen to people say the dumbest or most incendiary things and just be cool. And so some of it, you know, that happened as an adult. Those things happen as an adult, but sometimes the face can just go really dead. So it really is a variety. And a lot of times there's something to do with breath because we don't really breathe when we're traumatized. So like a lot of people, you know, um, especially younger people sort of talk through like this uh, vocal fry. And some of that's cultural. That's a cultural phenomenon. And some of it, some of it I think is just kind of like not breathing while you talk not in, not fueling your voice with enough air. So it's all over the place. Sorry it can't be more formulaic.
1: No, I I yes, I think that's super interesting. I yeah, and I want to put a pin also in breath because I do notice oh, like I forget to breathe when I talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also singing with that.
2: And there's also a frequency I've noticed. Like a frequency on the radio or a frequency in the way people will speak on a podcast or a mm-hmm. frequency that feels somehow disconnected from oneself. You know, it's like a, it's like not even necessarily, it's a, it's like a tonality. It's like a way I receive their voice. They might say all the greatest things in the world, but there's a way I receive it where I can almost feel the transmission of the disconnect or the pain or the avoidance in the frequency of their voice. And my partner, he feels that in me a lot. When I'm anxious, he knows by the sound of my voice and he'll know before I know. I won't even know I'm anxious and he'll know.
0: Mm -hmm. We're broadcasting all the time. And I was a caregiver for my now dearly departed mama till she was almost 95. And when I would call her up by the low of hello, I'd know if she was having a good day or a bad day. So we're leaking information all the time. And we think we're so smart, and we are, but not about that. <laughs> you know that we we are broadcasting our insecurity, our trauma, and also our gifts. So a lot of people come to me and they say, oh my voice is too dull or too shrill or too blah blah fill in the blank and i like to open the yeah you know, a lot of times they they are right they're living in that little closet in their mansion but i always say you get to keep what you have you always get to keep what you have and so like the the woman that was in a really corporate powerful job and she had an air voice And so her boss, who was her ally, saw that she was overlooked. She would put an idea out and no one would listen. And then Mark would say it. And then everybody would say, oh, great idea, Mark. Part of that was sexism. Part of that was her voice. So for her, before we moved into opening up other colors in her voice, I, I asked her, are you the person who sees the future before anybody else? because the air voice is often about the future. It's about vision and possibility and what's out there that could happen. And she got this warm twinkle in her eye and she said, yes, that's what my boss always says. And she was in marketing, which was quite a great place for that skill. And so I said, you get to keep that and your voice tells me what your gifts are.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so, you know, not a hundred percent of the time, but, More often than not, you know, the person who's going to be talking down here might not be the most scintillating public speaker. But when I ask, I ask them, are you the person Mm -hmm. who stays calm when everyone else is running around like a chicken with their head cut off? They're like, yep. (laughs) So and a lot of the people who come from the water voice, they're in the healing world, they're yoga teachers, they're mamas, they're therapists, they're all in the water. And that's the voice of the heart. And so I like mm-hmm. being able to listen to people, not just for their wounds, but also to be listening for what's the gift that they might be carrying, that their voice might be showing. And then I can ask a question and say, you know, um, with people who live a lot in their water voice, I say, are do you do do total strangers come up to you and say, you know, I've never said this to anyone Mm -hmm. before, but I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you now. And they're like, how did you know that? It's like, well, I didn't know that, but I had an inkling based on what I hear in your voice. So for me, I'm less listening for the trauma because our trauma, you know, we all kind of sound the same in our trauma. It's like this, an outfit, the same outfit that looks bad on everybody <laughs> you know but what I'm really interested in is what what the, the bigger thing that's under the trauma which is the gift that's what I'm interested in because sometimes waiting for the trauma to clear again will be dead but if you should sort of reach through that trauma and find the gift and call it it might just blast right through the trauma and the trauma is just going to be saying you're going to die you suck oh, yeah. but you know it could, then the gift might get in to the world before this person takes oh. their last breath, which that's the lot what gets me up in the morning, It's calling the gifts out.
2: Thank you. Thanks We're for bringing welcome back really Light
0: Barbara.
2: I'm really fascinated about the gifts that you hear and the qu- different qualities of voice. If you could elaborate more on the various qualities uh, on all of them.
0: Oh, on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I'll go through that. I'll go through the five elements. Yeah. Because
2: and then I'd also, for That's fun, the, for fun yeah. I'd like to hear which element I am and which Shana is, if we're different. it would be interesting.
0: Well, you have very similar voices. As I discovered on the phone, <laughs> it was like, well, I'm just going to talk to them both without needing to know who's who. <laughs> so Earth, this is like a – there's a lot like elements You know, there's a lot of different versions of all these, but I'm going to do just sort of an exaggerated version. This is my earth voice. And earth is good for getting grounded and projecting authority and for accessing your gut instinct, your animal intelligence. So if you're spinning out up here all the time, you may not tune in to this other brain that lives in your gut. That's earth. Fire is about passion. And personal power, being seen and heard, and physical vitality. It's the kya in martial arts. It's great for public speaking. It's, you know, it can be angry, but it's also joyful. And that sort of jahwa de vivre, that kind of, ah. These are all uh, connected to different parts of the body. So earth is your legs, feet, hips, pooper, peer, lady parts. Fire is your fire in your belly, your belly and solar plexus area. Water is the heart and throat. And this is my water voice. And the water voice is the voice of the heart. It's anything your heart wants to say. I love you. I'm sorry. That sounds hard. I have bad news. Good job. Welcome. All of those warm, lovely, loving kinds of things to say. Metal is focused in the mask, the face, and mostly what metal is good for is getting louder without any vocal strain. It's like a laser. And I added this one later. I used to have four. And then very soon, I, I heard a woman in a restaurant talking like this, and I thought, what is that? That's I, I, She's way over there, and I'm hearing her loud and clear, and I came up with metal because it's bright and sharp and it cuts through anything. So that's basically good for if you're talking to someone outdoors or like when my mother would lose a hearing aid, I could talk to her like this. I wouldn't get any vocal strain. And then air is sourced in the crown and beyond. And the air voice is good for storytelling. So once upon a time in a land far, far away. And it's also good for talking about the future. So I think of the air voice as a way to travel through time. I have an idea. It's about the future. And it's also a way of linking to spirit, like the earth voice connects us to the ground. I think the air voice, I think spirit lives in all of them, but that kind of the angelic, the potentiality, the solar winds, the, you know, so many cultures use wind as a way of describing the spirit. So those are the five and what they're good for. And it's tricky in this format because we're using these super sensitive microphones and we're right up in them and we're having heart to heart conversations. So if I was going to just say where you guys are living, I'm hearing air and water, but I don't know that that's who you are. I think that is how this format is calling forth our voices. But if we were out like hanging out having a good time, you know, we might be like, you know, hanging out in the park and talking, you know, you might, we change our voices all the time, unconsciously. Usually, often, even the person who's got the most sort of, you know, kind of a monotone voice like this, if you like sh- get them in the presence of their pets, oh, Oh, who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? Oh, who's a good dog? you know. Then the voice goes all or a baby. So a lot of us have these changes. Like your your partner notices Lauren when you're feeling anxious. A lot of us change our voices all the time. Like how it sounds first thing in the morning is different than in the middle of the day or outside, inside. With certain, I have a certain friend. Her name is Cher, and when we're together, we laugh like witches. And I I don't laugh like that with anybody else. In my, I laugh a lot with the people in my life, but when I'm with Share, I was just with her yesterday, and we're like, ah, 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 ah. you know, we just have this kind of cackling voice. So I think again, it's it's like people always want to know like their category, and I think that's a great question. But I also like giving people like the secret decoder ring for their voice. For their voice, they can listen in, but also as you're listening to others, to sort of wonder what 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 is their voice saying in addition to what their words are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that air and the air and water make sense to you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I know Shane and I both have fire for sure, and earth and all those things. Yeah, I would have um, guessed. But uh, one of the things that I'm really grateful for just kind of taking it back to our intention with this podcast is I can feel right now just through the liberated expression of this demonstration and just how you are showing up with your voice, so much permission. Yes. So much permission. And and if there's anything we need is is to recognize that the full range of our expression is good.
0: It's good. Yeah. Yeah it's very good it's necess- it's helpful i mean if you do yoga it's the same idea it's the full range of motion with awareness as a practice mm-hmm. and it's like if your body likes mm-hmm. that why would the voice not do the s- same thing and i do think one of the keys is play you know not trying to do it right not trying to do it well or um letting the shadow have its say you know, all those things were not supposed to be.
1: I I notice that when I have ideas that I can get like nervous and sharing them. So I'm like, ooh, maybe if I was like more in the yeah. air voice and I like just focused on being there, it would stop that like yeah. feeling. Or like that that sound. There's a sound that comes out that's like it's so I can notice in my voice like fractalization, mm-hmm. it like becomes like I'm I am not sure of what I'm speaking, you know. So it drops into this like other octave that's kind of yeah, uh, muddy, I guess. So I'm like, oh, maybe if I practice being in that air voice, mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. there's actually a lightness there that will give keep giving me permission. Like the air will keep feeding me. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. Uh, let's talk about breathing. And because this breathe. Is something that you'll I like consciously breathe, notice Shane. like oh, I'm not breathing. <laughs> And I notice when I'm singing, too, I'm like, how come I'm the person that's (gasps) (laughs) taking in breath? So can we talk about with singing and speaking? Yeah. How to how to breathe properly?
0: Well, there's like a million YouTube videos out there about good singing, you know, good breathing for singing and and all that. But I think uh, uh, and I have one on my website um There's a little one that I give to a lot of people, a lot of my students. But one of the things that just blew the doors off of my brain about breathing was to focus less on the taking in and the and focus more on the giving out. Because our system, our breathing apparatus, works best when we're really using up everything. So if you really fully exhale, exhale, then inhaling, it just happens. And all our language is about like taking a breath, which makes the shoulders come up and we you know, we just breathe in the top part of our, of our um, lungs. So my, one of my voice teachers talked about letting the breath fall into the body and focusing on emptying and then the filling takes care of itself. I also just want to say that we are living in a heady, anxious culture, patriarchy, colonialism, uh, scarcity. And one of another person told me once. I wanted. I knew it was true because I kind of wanted to slug him. <laughs> I said, "How we are with our breath is how we are with our love and our money." And I was like, "Oh, hmm. oh I know." I feel yeah, Get you like, it, it's and it's like all a... just, yeah, it's all just how we, it's, it's how we are in giving and receiving in general. But I don't, I just want to speak to, you know, don't, don't take this personally, that you don't breathe. It's like, this is just a cultural norm not to breathe. And sometimes I think if, if singing does anything, it just gets you bringing in more air and putting out more air. It just amplifies that. Um, So I think it's just the the great Western way to live in an oxygen starved starved body.
2: I also want to just think about all the other cultures out there where singing is such an essential part of their culture. It's really so empowering when a community dancing and singing is central and mm-hmm. so like just thinking about revillaging and creating our tribes and our people here in the West and decolonizing in the metaphorical sense uh, how we behave, singing and dancing and, and creating that for our families and creating that with each other and being playful, you know, it feels mm-hmm. essential to our freedom, really.
0: It, it is. And one of the TED Talks, I've done two TED Talks. One is on my my approach to voice. And the other one was about the power of oral tradition, oral tradition community singing. And that's no paper. It's like, here, sing this line, sing it back. And before COVID, this was exploding all over from at least as far as I knew, all over the U S and Canada, I'm sure maybe beyond where there's camp, there would be camp, you know, singing camps and people would just sing all day long, all ages. I'm going to singing camp. I'll be there next week. um, For the first time since COVID instead of 350 people, it's going to be like 60 all ages, intergenerational camping and singing nourishing Songs without performance or music to read. Some people are really skillful singers, some people are not. It doesn't matter. And but, but there's something about when we're singing together, we belong to each other. And we, so many of us are in the in the West, especially, we just feel so alone. It's killing us. We feel so alone. And even when we're with people or especially when we're with people, we feel alone. And there's something about being held in harmony with, especially if you don't even know how to sing harmony, you don't have to, because if you could teach this person, this group, this line of the song, and this group, that line of the song, then the harmony is there. And this thing, the song just fills up the community and it weaves us all together. And it kind of doesn't matter what you think you all, you you just have that feeling of belonging. And it was very hard on a lot of my friends COVID because that was their church kind of, it was their practice. It was their way of nourishing that part, ancient part of us that needs to sing and dance to be with people, you know, to, to get out of the, the, the little prisoner, your dichotomy there of the prisoner and the, the perpetrator and victim that we all carry around. So I really, I've been leading singing for decades in this way and have watched amazing things happen. Groups, strangers, group, what I, the experiment I did in my Ted talk is there was about a thousand people in the room and I got them singing one of my songs, acapella. And I said, you're going to decide when it's over. And I had done it with groups of 30, 40, 50 for years in my circles. And I tried it with a group of 100 and then with 350 people. And then I thought, well, I'll try it with 1,000. And I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> like if they didn't do it, I was like, oh, I think part of this is my own conviction that it's possible. So I felt 1,000 people who had never sung together before. Like they decided when it was over. And um, I can't get over it. You know, what is possible among us as a human family if a thousand strangers can make a collective decision in a moment with a little guidance from me and a lot of conviction, what could happen if we have that capacity to listen to each other and tune in? So I'm looking forward to finding ways to sing more together again Mm. So safely. I wanna
1: I want to stay there with the what is possible, yeah. Barbara. What is possible for us? I yeah I want to hear from you and your experience. Like what what is possible in this time of the feminine that we talk about, this rise of the feminine essence?
0: Mm, that's a nice little question. I don't know. I don't know what's possible. I do know that. Liberating one voice makes the next voice easier to liberate. I think there's a that weaving that we all are, the same thing that makes a thousand people be able to stop singing at once. I think that each person who opens up their full voice, and I'm including people of all genders, because when I see my six foot five inch nephew, you know, singing way up, way up high and just getting his inner drag queen on—he's straight, and has four kids, you know—but he's, you know, he's he can get his inner drag queen on, and I think he's making more space for um, people who are walking around in um, his kind of bod be able to express more fully. So I always invite everybody everywhere. Um, I also think it's possible to heal back in time. I think a lot about my female ancestors and, you know, my grandmother, Norma, who is, who loved politics and liked to smoke cigarettes and didn't care about, didn't like kids very much, which was hard on my mom and her siblings. But, you know, she was, she was about 20 years old when women got the vote in this country. That is a voice issue. And I'm a little embarrassed at how old I was before I figured that out. I knew her, she died when I was 17. And so I was around her same age, you know, when women, you know, she was about that age when women got the vote in this country and we're still underrepresented in so many places. But I, I sing blessings back to the silenced women I come from who did not have the kind of choices I do. And I also sing out to my sisters who can't, the women who are being trafficked or the women who can't be educated or are just trying to get through the day or are living in the refugee camps or are working the street. So I use singing as a prayer, use my voice as a prayer to bless all around, back and forward in time. I wrote a song called Healing All Generations. It's got... It's all about that, about singing into all those different times.
2: We always ask the same question to wrap up our podcast. And I'm thinking Mm. that it would be nice if when we ask you this question, you allowed a verse to come to you that you would like to sing as response Mm. to this question.
0: Well, there's been a song. Well, there has been a song like just swirling around. So it'd be very interesting if this is the one.
2: Well, we'll see. what you what you said just a minute ago kind of framed this perfectly. So the question is, if in this moment you were chosen as a channel of the Great Mother herself to speak or to sing a message for all of us what would she have you say?
0: Yeah, yeah, this is it. And I'm hoping my piano will come through because I'm sitting right here, I might as well use the darn thing. I actually wrote this for my nephew when he was traveling in a really hard time. Words are by Hafiz, the great Sufi mystic, as interpreted by Dan Ladinsky. show you whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark I wish that I could show you I wish that I could show you the astonishing light of your being show you. Whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark, I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you the astonishing light of your being. The astonishing <laughs>
2: and so it is. Thank you. And so, so much. it is. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you for inviting me. It's been just great to be with you.
1: Will you share with everyone about where they can learn more about you? Yeah,
0: barbara.mcafee.com has buckets and buckets of. Music videos. I'll be uploading a bunch more of my community songs that are designed for people just to sing together without performance. Stuff about the the book, Full Voice, The Art and Practice of Vocal Presence. And then I'm doing a lot of online full voice classes. Taking a break for the summer, because where I live, nobody cares. <laughs> I don't want to spend time in front of the computer, but I'll be teaching. Full Voice Fundamentals come in the fall. Mm. And I also will be starting a new training program, Full Voice Train the Trainer, for people who want to carry this work in the world. And then I also work one-on-one with people Mm. and with groups. You know, if you've got like a group of people, like your book club or your practice group of something, I can also work with people online. So I just love getting the voices going. Mm. So my website is the best place. Perfect. We'll to find out all that. We'll put it in the show
1: notes. Thank you so Thanks.
0: much.
2: Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Global Sisterhood, you can follow us on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood, or you can tune in to one of our programs. Just go to globalsisterhood.org. It is such a privilege and such an honor to speak with all these amazing women and to continue to speak with you. If you would like to join one of our circles or programs and dive in deeper and have these conversations yourself with us, we would love to invite you in deeper, sister. So just go to globalsisterhood.org to learn more. Okay, talk to you next time.